Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so grateful that you are joining me today for a conversation with my new friend, Dr. Flo Falai. And Dr. Flo is a dynamic leadership and management consultant and executive coach with varied and significant experience across Fortune 100 companies, across diverse industries. He's a well-respected thought leader who blends a diverse strategic approach to leadership development and organizational effectiveness challenges. He's a Yale scholar, a fellow of the Institute of Information Management, and the founder of the Hybrid Leadership Institute, focused on identifying, raising, and developing the next generation of global leaders and entrepreneurs. As a leadership coach, Flo speaks at conferences and advises leaders, private, public, and nonprofit organizations on culture, leadership excellence, business success, youth empowerment, change, national development, and capacity development. A lot of interesting stuff. And currently, Dr. Flo is a leadership and organizational effectiveness consultant at Slalom Consulting based in Atlanta. Dr. Flo, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Like you said earlier, I'm really excited that uh, we've built a friendship and uh, looking forward to what obtains now and also in the future. Oh, I love that. And uh, I'm excited as well. You know, we've been chatting already for a little while, getting to know each other. And you have such a diverse background, uh, not only in terms of places you've lived and people you've worked with, but industries and types of people you've worked with. And I'm excited to dive into that. And also excited because I like when we can bring new ideas and points of view to light. And I know that things that you're passionate about is really challenging the normal discussion around diversity and inclusion. And I want to dig into that a little bit, as well as uh, sharing some of your point of view on hybrid leadership. But before we do, let's take a step back. And I'd love for you to share a little bit of your background and how you got to where you are today. That's a great point. Thank you so much for the opportunity. So my journey started, I guess I can say it this way. I was born in the U.S., but I grew up outside the U.S. And then I came back to the U.S. uh, for my master's. Uh, degree and my doctorate, and I never went back. It's also important to know that to say that I have been more, I've been in the U.S. longer than I have been outside the U.S. in terms of number of years I've spent 
be it in school, uh, living as a father, and I have kids and a parent, compared to growing up outside the U.S. So that's just uh, to put a context around my journey, gives you a sense of where I've been, born in the U.S. again, raised in Lagos in Nigeria, and then lived, after I finished, uh, graduated, lived in London for a few, and, uh, and then came back uh, to the U.S. I started out as, uh, I'm the first of three, so the whole premise of leadership has been something I was either born into and also I've been forced to actually grow in as I've actually been growing through the years. As a first of three kids, you know that your goal from your parents is to really drive and to set examples. So all my life has always been about setting the example for my younger ones. And then, you know, I got into architecture was my first love. Then I moved from architecture into information systems and management. I have a master's in information systems management. And then I, as part of my journey, I realized I loved working with people and engaging people. So even though I had a background where I was a programmer and I could write code, I didn't enjoy being in the cube. I love to be actually out talking to people about requirements, their problems, their issues. And so I moved away a little bit from, you know, being the, the tech guy to the link, I call it the connector between the business and the technology team, right? So grew through that rank. And eventually, as I kept growing in my career, got into media management, got involved in more strategy work, got involved in coaching, got involved in customer service, I began to realize that my sweet spot, my passion was in the area of psychology, was in the area of development, was in the area of human resource enablement. And then uh, after really taking some time to think through my entire life, right? So after I crossed 40, you go through a midlife crisis and you start to think, what am I about, right? Uh, I realized I needed to actually pivot and I moved into um, leadership development and got a PhD in organizational leadership and really owned in my space and started to really push through top leadership, business solution, but really looking at talent and human factor and human response and change and all of those really became kind of my area of emphasis and my forte. Long story short, so I, I hope that was a good contextual summary uh, for the listeners today. Yeah, no doubt. You, you've got a lot of interesting experience. And like I said, not just living and working in different countries, different continents, but different functions, you know, moving from IT, the tech side, to the business, to organizational effectiveness, people, the people side of business. All three, very important, right? I personally am a little bit biased because I think that people are what makes business and technology go, right? Without the people, there, there is nothing else. So what's your perspective that why are you so focused on organizational effectiveness on the people side of business now? You know, I, I'm going to piggyback off what you said. That's exactly the honest truth. The honest truth is that the most valuable talent that organizations have is their people. And the degree to which they maximize, enable, help, support, coach, mentor their people is the degree to which they're going to experience long-term success and effectiveness in the marketplace. Now, we'll continue to see a paradigm shift in technology. But if you look at even with all of the potentials of AI or transformation or cloud enablement, the key drivers behind all of those initiatives are still people. Right, the people that you're trying to either meet, support, enable, empower, or sell stuff to. 
right? So all of those changes require that we still maintain what I call a human approach to business. And so that is what keeps, gets, keeps me up at night, wakes me up early in the morning in informing, in enabling, in challenging leaders of organization to not forget the people, even if their efficiencies to be gained by employing technology or their cost savings to be had by replacing, uh, which is not a comfortable conversation or attrition, there's still a place for us to have this very strong argument about empowering the right people, enabling the right people, and not discarding the wrong people or the people who are not adequate or do not fit maybe the picture. There's a human way of letting people go find their passion, right? Rather than just, we're going to fire these people or we're going to let these people go, there is a proper way to enable people to leave where they're at, to go somewhere else. And so all of those really are things that I'm passionate about and that I love to talk about or help people solve uh, in their respective organizations. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world, and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. You talked about you know, the human side of business and how people drive everything and the importance of empowering and enabling the right people. And people do run everything in business and technology, right? Uh, but for a long time, if you look specifically at the United States for several decades, uh, almost everything in business was done by white men like me, right? right. Uh, that has changed a lot over the years. Uh, we're in 2019 now. We have a much more diverse workforce. There are still many challenges to solve, but things have changed a lot. Uh, and you said you have a strong perspective on diversity and inclusion and the way we need to go forward and, and have this conversation. So, you know, what is that? What's your point of view on this today? Okay, well, I'm happy you asked that. So I spent some time on a phenomenon that I imbibe and I live on a daily basis. And I call it, and I tie to that phenomenon, uh, hybrid leadership. And the reason behind that is to say that oftentimes leadership books and history has been crafted from a very distinct point of view, right? Be it as it may, the historians of history, the what I call the key voices around certain conversation in business, leadership, people talent, culture, there have been certain individuals, right? It have been white males, it will have been maybe uh, the Western world has really done more of the shaping in terms of the narrative around the world. But the challenge with that distinct point of view is that it's not all-encompassing. It's not the entire picture. It's not just one side. It is actually an accurate one side, but it's not the complete picture. And the challenge I'm beginning to, or the concern with that is that we don't see a full array of opportunity when it comes to people. 
Now, I want to also say today that by the year 2030, the United States Census Office has projected that the United States will actually experience probably what we call a minority-majority shift. In other words, there's going to be a significant change in our demographics in the United States, across the globe, right, as well. Now, if that's the case, leadership most of necessity reflects the people, right? And if that is actually a second point that you agree to, then we must now, in 2030, we're talking about 11 years, now we must now begin to have systems and processes and conversation around how do we prepare for those kind of leaders who are broader than we thought, deeper in perspective than we've ever actually even tried to envision and different from us. Because these same individuals are the ones that we're going to put and trust the future of our respective organizations to, right? So it is a conversation that must begin to happen. The interesting thing is that we're seeing them already begin to arrive in our workforces, in our, in our offices. They're different from us, right? Even if they never left the shore of the United States, because of globalization and technology, they've actually been to many places. You know, any of the social media tools allow us to go from where we are to where we want to be in an instant. That exposure and that access needs to be reflected in how we lead, in how we challenge, in how we engage, in how we do things, right? So I took some time in my, in my dissertation to challenge that narrative. I looked at myself as an example and I said, look, I am American and I'm also Nigerian, right? I am neither one. You can't try to carve me out and say, okay, I'm not this or I'm not that because I'm ex- I was exposed to both culture. And I grew up out of that, right? So the way I show up is distinct. I can flex. And one of the key things that we discovered in that research was that many of the people like myself have this tremendous ability to act like chameleons, right? Chameleons adapt to the environment. That adaptation, that flexibility, that capability to pivot is something that we can maximize. So but when I talk to leaders, I say, hey, don't look at these resources through the lens of how you were judged or how you were selected to lead. Look at them and evaluate some of their strengths because people like this will enable you to actually do great in the future, right? So that's, that's part of the premise, that's part of the challenge and the concerns and the issues I bring to bear on a fairly consistent basis. Yeah, interesting. So say I'm uh, a fairly forward-thinking organization and uh, I want to prepare for the future of work which you know, many people want to prepare for. They want to know what is coming. A little while back, I interviewed your colleague, Chris Grosskirth, uh, who was a slalom at the time, who's written a book on you know, the, what he calls the fourth industrial revolution and the, and the future of work. And a lot of people are trying to figure out what does that future look like? If I want to prepare for that, and I'm listening to what you're talking about with demographics changing and this idea of hybrid leadership, what would be the best thing? What should I be thinking about? What should companies be thinking about in order to set their organization up for success in 2030? Absolutely. So the first thing is, if we're targeting 2030 for when we're re- we're going to be ready for leadership or to have the leaders equipped, we're behind the eight ball, right? It's got to start now. And those conversations will be baked into how we're training and developing leaders. There is a tool that um, I use and we use in our research that allowed us to, to decipher some of what we call the strengths of these individuals or these hybrids. And that tool, what that tool does that it evaluates the individuals based on some of the very key cultural dimensions that people are either have really been exposed to by virtue of where they've been, where they've lived, 
or by virtue of just what they actually are drawn to us by virtue of affinity. Now, there are a couple of individuals who fall under this bucket who are monocultural by disposition, so, but, but are diverse or hybrid leaders by exposure. You're a classic example of someone who's seen the world, who's been outside the comfort and the beautiful continental USA. So you, you understand, you flex and you understand broadly. They're expatriates. Those are the first generation, what I call hybrid leaders. They're folks who left the shores of the US, went out and really worked in the business arena outside. But with globalization, many people do no longer no longer have to leave their homes or their comfort of their offices. We have virtual teams. We have global virtual teams. You know, and mm-hmm. some of the challenges with those teams is that people are not broader, trained or ex- equipped enough to lead those effectively. So we stumble and make mistakes. But I think the organization of the future has to be deliberate. That's the first thing. You have to be deliberate about empowering and broadening the definition of diversity and inclusion, which I we talked about a little bit earlier. We've got to broaden that to say, look, it's not just gender. It's not just sexuality. It's not just maybe uh, orientation. There's also some degree of thought leadership and cultural diversity that needs to also be considered here because our people are multidimensional, right? So our leadership must reflect that. And the pipeline to developing those leaders must also reflect that. So it's selection. Is understanding, is enabling, categorizing some of the strengths and the weaknesses. I'm a great fan of assessment and tools, but those tools are limiting because they're looking at maybe the talent space from a very narrow prism. And so I'm just challenging. We need to have more tools. We need to have more conversation around, hey, I might not fit the box, right? So I'm a big fan of break out of the box. I might not fit the box you're putting me in. I got more of this and more of that. Perhaps I'm a gig employee that's got probably to be part-time employee that's got some potential for being a full-time employee in the future. Don't discard me because you're only looking for a full-time. Start to think outside the box. Mix boxes a little bit and change, change the narrative. I think so. That's maybe something of what I'm, I'm, I'm alluding to. Does that make sense? No, I like that. Don't try to force people to fit into a box. I think you know, you're hiring people with all kinds of different backgrounds. Maybe they'll have the exact right amount of skills or experience specific that you're looking for, but they may have a lot of potential or skills that you think could develop and be effective in this role. And then when you think about the future of work and where things are going, you mentioned the gig economy. I think outside and inside of corporations, people are going to be doing a lot more project-based work, right? Be moving around into different things. And so you're not filling a specific role. You're looking for a skilled worker to come into an organization and be able to do a lot of different things. And therefore, it might be really valuable to have, you know, multicultural, multi-background experience, someone who's maybe worked in IT and on the people side of things, right? Which might be rare uh, to find someone like you, but someone with a diverse background of experience. So what you're saying is assessment tools can be great, but they might put people in a box. You want to find tools and things that allow you to find people that can really provide a diverse way of working and thinking to really help change organizations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, um, I love those tools. I use that. We use that a lot as um, part of what we do with coaching. Um, but we see it as the barest minimum. We see it as kind of the baseline. And we do not limit our frame or definition or perhaps the scope of our impact or our influence to just what the tool says. We see the tool as helping provide some additional pointers for guidance down the road. 
So uh, I, I'm I'm 100% alignment with kind of the, the angle we're going here. Yeah, there are, I think I've heard a lot of organizations that are struggling with this in that they want to improve their diversity, not to say anything about inclusion yet, but they want to improve diversity, say their workforce is, you know, 80% white or whatever it is. And, you know, not just looking at race, obviously gender, background, everything. And they want to improve, especially that ratio on the leadership level, but they're struggling to fill the pipeline with talent, uh, a diverse background of talent. What do you say when you talk to work with those organizations? How do they improve that pipeline so they're getting the right amount of people, right types of people coming in to help them uh, diversify their organization? It's a good point. And, and there are a couple of um, organizations that also do this and individuals will be talking about this. So I'm not, I'm not saying anything that is perhaps so new that it's so unattainable. Right. So that's the first thing. The, the other thing is I, I want to challenge organizations to, to look at how they're looking to fill the pipe. Mm. Right. Uh, oftentimes, the individuals who are guiding or who are in charge of getting water through the pipe don't reflect the diversity of the people they want to bring in. So that's one. So we challenge organizations to look at from look at the entire journey as an experience and say, if you're looking to actually get someone from outside to go through your entire organization and then to get to leadership, create that story. And don't create that from the perspective of the other leaders you've gotten or raised. Look to create a diverse story. Look to find individuals who, yes, reflect and actually meet all the different business criteria that you need for the leaders, but ensure that as you're casting out the wide net, you're looking at individuals who don't perhaps, will not look like you, think like you, and you need to be able to encourage that and look at how do I set metrics to measure some of those attributes that are still important to me and keep those as top of mind, right? So that's one. Number two is as you begin to attack and address DNI issues and talent, a lack of talent, the numbers are still not impressive by any means. I mean, the diversity numbers coming out of Silicon Valley or in many of the organizations that we see today, there's a lot more work that needs to be done. And, and so one of the things I challenge people is not to see, because one of the things that is silent, there's an assumption that by, by, <laughs> by getting some new talent through the pipe, that some people are going to be displaced. So organizations must address, there's a phenomenon called the white man, the angry white man phenomenon. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but there's this idea that people think because they're more diversity that someone is going to lose their spot. No, that's not the case. The case for diversity is that the more of, of us, the more of the people that are on the same page with different perspective on the table, the better it is. Don't see it as removing a seat. See it as adding a new seat at the table, right? And when you do that, it's a win-win. So the conversation, when we push this narrative, must be from a win-win perspective. It is to increase, it is to expand, it is to preserve, it is to enable, it is not to remove, it is not to separate, it is not to divide, it is to multiply. Right. So the land... It's not a, it's not a zero-sum game. It's a win-win, right? And so we need to play that numerically and play that also from a, a logical standpoint. The last point is there are a couple of uh, experts and expertise outside some of the organization. And a good way to actually begin the, this conversation is to have those diverse voices come talk and engage your people. 
for me to make the assumption that you're going to fill your pipeline with diverse talent when you start it is ridiculous. It's going to take some time. But what you want to do as you go along the way is to be aware of the narrative and to own that narrative and say, we're about this and we're going to do this. And we're not there yet, but we are upfront, we're transparent, we're vulnerable, we're open, we're learning. And when we do all of those, I think it enables even those who are diverse in our respective workforces to feel a sense of community and a connection. Mm -hmm. I must say this real quick. I'm a member of the Black professionals organization at Salon. And one of the key things that we do as part of our, uh, our goal is not just about, it's not just an internal conversation. It's also, a, also an external conversation with there are others that might be failing or going through this scenario. How do we also enable and help those who are dealing with this scenario, right? So this is employee resource groups all across different organizations across America. The conversation has been siloed we're challenging that approach. Let's broaden. Let's break down the silo. Let's see what are the common issues across all the different groups. And so that leadership starts to take more of an ownership around some of those issues so that people feel heard, people feel valued, and their retainment becomes a secondary win from kind of taking the initiative uh, along this line. Yeah. So what you're talking about sounds like opening up the conversation, having more communication, more conversation, understanding what are the challenges that people are facing, being willing to listen and to address those. I wanted to talk about culture as well, because you consult with organizations on culture and organizational design, right? And a lot of companies are in the middle of a big shift or transformation, digital transformation, call it what you will. They're changing cultures. Maybe they're trying to improve this aspect of things, DNI, whatever. And I, I know a lot of that has to start from the top. What are some keys to making sure that you have a, an effective culture shift if you're, you're trying to shift things and get people aligned to a culture and get everybody moving in the same direction? What are some of the, the key things to making sure that's done effectively? Beautiful question. So we do this not just from a culture standpoint, but culture I will speak to in a minute, as well as even from project standpoint, process standpoint. So this cuts across quite a number of issues. But from a cultural standpoint, there is one key thing that cannot be ignored or abdicated or even delegated. That is leadership ownership is key. In other words, this change, this cultural shift, the transformation must have a sponsor that is actively involved in driving that change, right? There's got to be someone who owns it and who actually is responsible for making sure that if there are issues or concerns or challenges, that there is a line of communication that enables us as the consultants or as the enablers to drive and to keep moving things forward. That's one. Number two, every transformation, technology, business process is about people. And people do not naturally gravitate towards change. Change is not a natural disposition for people. And what does that mean? It means that if you're going to drive change and it involves people, which all changes, cultural transformation involves people, then you need to actually take the time to hold people's hands. I got, I'm a father, I've got kids. If I want to make certain decisions, I've got teenagers now, so it's a little bit challenging. It's not challenging, but it's a different it's a different approach from when I had younger kids. Now there is more of the conversation around the why. 
why do you need to do this? Why do you need to study? So I have my oldest who's preparing for his SAT now, right? And one of the things that we're talking through this summer specifically was you've got to stop, literally give up some late nights, playing games, watching Netflix or hanging out with your friends. And this next two, three months, focus hard on what you've got to do, right? So, but it's just not a command. Go do whatever, right? Because you can go into this room or go into the library and play on computer games all day long. Articulating why, enabling him to understand the trade-off are part of the process of driving towards a change behavior. So I use that example to tell, to just highlight the point that leaders need to be communicators. They need to be storytellers. They need to be able to keep painting the picture. I love the couple of great leaders who do this so well, where what they do is they keep painting a picture. And even when issues are going, the issues, challenges, they keep reiterating the picture. This is where we're going. This is what this transformation will do for us. This is what, where we, what we'll be like when we get to that final state. This is how the work we'll do will change. This is how our return on investment will show up. This is how our PNL will remain positive, right? So you create stories because humans gravitate towards stories. We watch movies all the time. Those are just stories that tell us about uh, strength and courage and perseverance and determination and bravery. The same with organization, the same with culture. We're taking them from the known to the unknown. And people need to know. People need to know, even if you don't know. You say, hey, I don't, I'm not sure that this change would be the ideal, but I have an inkling that this is what we must be for us to be ready for what is to come, right? So, and you will be surprised at how transparent leadership drives significant business results. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. We're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis. In fact, we recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as creating a culture of multipliers, gender equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on helping rid the world of bad bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on decision-making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, calming the storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giulioni on developing in place how to continue your growth during remote working. And a webinar from Paul Middleton on the secret sauce for learning in the flow of work plus many more, just head to our website at advantageperformance.com. Click on free resources and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. I love that last comment too, transparent leadership to drive business results. I think people in 2019 and going forward, they want authenticity. They want transparency. I think the times of you know, knowledge is power and, and withholding information from people is, is gone. You can't do that anymore. And uh, it, it starts with having the conversation, letting people be part of the conversation, showing them the why. You mentioned the purpose and the why and why do they want to do this? Same thing. You got to understand, you got to communicate that to your teenagers. You got to communicate that to the people in your organization. Like why? People don't want to do things if they don't understand the purpose or the why. And that's why I'm so big on experiential learning. I, I run a lot of workshops in 
talent development that are all experiential discovery-based learning because I think people, the, the why is even more powerful when people discover it for themselves versus you know, sitting around listening to a PowerPoint presentation telling them, hey, this is the change and this is, you need to go do this and that's it, right? Absolutely. So we talked about you know, people changing and change is happening all the time. I'm curious, uh, with you being out there working with a lot of different organizations, what's one big trend that you're tracking right now that maybe we haven't discussed yet that's affecting how people work? That's a good point. I, I think we, we're seeing a generational shift. I don't think this is uh, too new. Seeing a generational shift as well in the workforce. And one of the things around that generational shift is that even, for example, in some of the organizations I work and we're, we're part of, the millennials are no longer just a group of people who are coming. They are now the majority in... They're here, yeah. It's no longer they're coming, they're coming. And I think everyone's aware of that. But what, what does that mean, though? Right? So I, I want to challenge organizations, and that's part of what we do, is to say, look, you have a multi-generational workforce. How are you maximizing that? Don't make assumptions around how each of these individuals will work or are working. Continually invest and drive those conversations, right? So there's that dimension. We do run a couple of uh, workshops really tied around multi-generational employees and multi-generational organization. And then we also focus on multi-generational leaders. But then that's one dimension. The other dimension is really about embracing the transformation that technology is driving. I don't think there's any organization that is going to succeed long-term if they remain rigid to the existing processes. I, I think that time has passed. AI and technology is the wave of the future. That is the next, and I think Chris's book addresses that as well. That is the next wave. And, uh, and there's a need for organizations to now be intentional and say, we know what the efficiencies are that technology will produce. What is the implication of that new world to us. And I know in many corridors and in sea levels, that is the conversation that they're having to talk about. How we're equipping our people enough to be ready for what is to come. Now, the right people in the right places to do the right job. What are some of the key strategies that we're willing to imbibe to allow us to be ready? There's a part of the future that we don't know. But the ideal leadership structure and leadership approach will be creating an unknown approach. And this is funny, but it's to say, there are a couple of things that will happen to us, is to have a strategy around what you don't know yet. And to say, if this happens, we're going to build, or we're going to have these individuals picked up at a quick, at a minute's notice to work on those strategic opportunities or initiatives, right? So it's to have like a SWAT approach to the unknown, rather than just saying, the unknown is coming, it's, you know, have an aggressive approach and lay down and have a game plan and say, if this happens, if we lose half of our revenue stream from this uh, country, for example, what will we do? And then you have a game plan. If we, if, for example, if the trade wars continue beyond the starting point, what will be, that's the perfect example of an unknown that actually is now uh, available in many organizations, right? Is to say, if an unknown factor is introduced, into our PNL, what is our response? And to build and to stimulate that kind of approach on a fairly consistent basis, because I think that is the wave of the future. 
uh, they call it the VUCA war, right? It's a volatile, uncertain, and you know the rest, right? Yeah. So like, imagine just being the volatility, the uncertainty, have a game plan for all of it, right? And the C and the A, right? So that's, that's the way to go. Yeah, planning for the future and anything, so many different things could happen. And I want to go back and highlight what you said about the the generational shift and the multi-generational workforce. You know, the millennials are the largest percentage. We got Gen Z coming in, X and baby boomers are still here, and people are staying in the workforce a lot longer. So you've got a lot of different experience and backgrounds and people can adapt and everyone works in different ways. So it's really leveraging all of that different diverse types of experiences and skills to prepare your, your company for the future and then doing those SWOT analysis, like you said, look at our strengths, weaknesses, what are the opportunities and threats that are out there? How do we adjust to this VUCA world? Dr. Flo, do you have a book that has made a big impact on you or that you often recommend to others? That's a great point. And I knew you were going to ask me, there's this book that you had actually touched on earlier, Multipliers. I love that book. That's an amazing book. Uh, there's another one. So I won't talk about that book, but there's one that um, I've been reading lately, and I think it speaks to kind of the talk conversation we've had. It's, it's called Let Them See You. Let Them See You by Potter Braswell. And uh, this is the gentleman who actually um, runs the business Jobwell. And this is actually a very good book because what it does it, though it was written, this book was written specifically for more of a diverse workforce, asking them to be visible. Uh, I think the other side of the conversation is for those who perhaps are not even diverse, and, and everybody's diverse to, to all extent, right? But to say those who are perhaps non-black or non-cultural or monocultural, unicultural, uh, is to be able to also read this with a sense of, of being able to see other people. Right, and to have a broader perspective, a broader lens from how they grew up. We know the zip code is the most powerful indicator of wealth and education and success, just to a very large degree in the United States. But one of the things also with this book and with my perspective is to challenge zip code conversation, is to say, this is the kind of my zip code. Let me go find a zip code that is is extreme, extremely different from mine and try to understand the nuances, right? If we begin to do more of that, we're not actually going to change the game. We're going to literally just blow the roof off how we see diversity because now we're forcing the individuals to look at the micro level of some of the macro issues uh, plaguing society and organization. So that's, that's my tip. Uh, hope, hopefully someone likes it and they, and they enjoy the conversation. That's great. Yeah. Raising awareness and uh, really just opening up the conversation, having more communication, more conversations, and uh, people are going to be more open-minded, right? Uh, well, I was going to ask you for some advice and uh, you, you hit it right there. For anybody listening in talent development that is specifically looking at accelerating their own career or creating a more effective organization, what's one more piece of advice you would give to them? Um, I use, uh, what I think I do when I speak uh, when I coach people, I use the uh, an acronym. I call it the three Ds. And uh, the first D is, I call that discovery. And that really is about enabling people and helping people to discover who they are, uh, their talent, their ability. And I just want to call out, that is so powerful. 
not just for an individual to do for themselves, himself or herself, but also for organizations to challenge people to go on this journey of constant discovery. The second, which is where we all kind of all land, is developing, right? We create training programs, we create workshops, we have conversation, and the goal is to develop people. But I challenge that approach because if people don't know who they are, you might develop them for what you want rather than for what they would naturally gravitate towards and they are best and well-equipped to do, right? So let the discovery phase be a part of that development cycle. And then development, I believe, will now really sit on a solid foundation. The last is discovery. And the discovery phase is amplifying and allowing the world to see people and to see you as the individual. Uh, discovery is you showing up, right? We talk about authenticity, we talk about um, being uh, transparent, we talk about you being uh, open and vulnerable and real. Uh, that discovery piece is really all about that. It's not enough to develop people. It's not enough to have them discover or be discovered. It's important that they show up. And this is a challenge for people because they want to find their final destination before they start to show up. I'll give a classic example of your story in a sense where you didn't start with a conference that they're going to have in a few months. No, you started with, I'm interested in this topic. I'm going to find people of like mind. And as you started that ripple, it got, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's come to a point where you need to bring all these thought leaders and people into one space. Yep. And then we're talking about next places that we'll begin to look at is we're going to look at international, for example, right? And I'm challenging you to kind of see that. But that's, you did. that's, that, that's that discovery conversation, right? So it is to take yourself what you've got. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. No. But what you've got, give it into, sow it as a seed, and what does seed multiply, right? So those are the three things I, I want to challenge uh, talents, practitioners, leaders in the learning and development space as you're doing all of the great work you're doing, please pay attention to discovery. Pay attention to development. Be intentional about that development. And then also give people the discovery. Give them lunch and learn opportunity. Create workshops where you have people practice and train. Give people an opportunity to actually go uh, either be on the podcast or, or share that thought leadership through LinkedIn. I mean, there's so many. There's a plethora of platforms. Encourage, develop people to use those tools. So those are my, those are my tips. Discovery and development and give people those opportunities. I like it. And uh, the books you mentioned, Multipliers by Liz Weissman and Let Them See You by Porter Braswell. And I appreciate you mentioning Multipliers and the conference that I'm hosting. <laughs> In case anybody listening hasn't heard about it, uh, the Talent Development Think Tank is happening this November 6th and 7th in Sonoma, California. And Liz Weissman, author of Multipliers, is our premier main keynote speaker. We also have Josh Burson, uh, we'll be talking about some of these subjects, uh, you know, learning in the flow of work and uh, some other great speakers lined up as well. And so if you're interested in connecting with people, learning, getting new perspectives, check it out at talentdevelopmentthinktank.com. Dr. Flo, for anybody listening who wants to get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to go to do that? Thank you for the opportunity. So on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I go by the at sign, Dr. D-R-F-L-O Falai, F-A-L-A-Y-I. I'm active on LinkedIn, very active on LinkedIn, and, uh, and on Twitter as well. And my website is flowfalai.com. So definitely love to connect. I love to share 
and break bread with people and uh, talk more about people and talent and human and humanity in the workforce. I love it. Uh, so make sure you follow Dr. Flo and me on LinkedIn, social media, connect with him on his website. This has been great, Dr. Flo. So many interesting topics from diversity and inclusion to organizational effectiveness to leadership development. Uh, I appreciate you coming on to share some of your diverse background of experience and uh, the value you brought. It was interesting for me and I hope it was for our listeners as well. So thank you again for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. Thank you. All right, take care. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.